0: Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I'm Dev. And
1: I'm Hugh. And on today's show, we're looking at minute 53. At this point, we are returning, flipping back once more from rom-com to thriller. We go from the neon lighting in the the soft neon lighting of a Midwest town to the noir interior
0: of an LA office, and we're back to Marcella once more. Yes, we are. And joining us on today's show, we have Mike from my other podcast, Listening to Paint Try, where the th- Mike, myself, and our buddy Dan all talk about miniature painting. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, yeah, as you said, um, Marcella is giving martin the lowdown on uh everybody else in town or at least everybody that uh is coming packing firearms in town that they know of <laughs> because they do actually miss the other big bad but um three out of four ain't bad i guess <laughs> um i really really love uh the flow of this monologue from uh from joan kusak here um mm-hmm it just it, it it moves at such a pace it's throwing so much information at you and it mm-hmm. fills it with interesting elements that help sell it the authenticity mm-hmm. of it like i don't know what rothschilds is i don't, if if any listener knows uh put it in the comments if you're watching youtube i guess mm-hmm. i like, should do the finger pointing thing comments below <laughs> uh and for those of you who are slightly bemused whilst driving your car because you're listening to this as a podcast like Join us on on our Facebook listeners group and let us know, because there are a couple of things in this minute that I just I'm not sure whether they have a real origin or if they were made up for the film. It feels real. Refresh my memory
2: about the Rothschild thing, because isn't the Rothschild a famous family, rich family?
0: Yeah. So the Rothschilds are a very famous rich banking family. Right. uh, And they have vineyards and and all sorts of things. But uh, in this minute, it seems to be security related. I got this thing from an assistant over at Rothschilds, who I uh,
1: yeah. I think I think it, I don't know. There's a number of possibilities, but I feel together. like yeah, I feel like it's just sewing together some of the things. Like we so we had this conversation in the first first two sets of five minutes where we we're talking about how they paint a, a semi-real world of espionage and military private contracting and all this kind of thing and i think this is just another example of them dropping in you know i mean the rothschilds are famous as a banking family they're famous as all kinds of things but they're also at the center of a billion conspiracy theories
0: right (laughs) and
1: and there seems to be some you know like it's one of the few names you could possibly mention in a film like this and have people who don't really know about that world go oh i know who they are so you Mm -hmm. get some sense of you get some sense of marcella's connections you know, you get some sense of the level she's at. I mean, I think it's interesting also, we were talking in the last minute about how she's fallen asleep and as she walks from one desk to another, you can see she's in some sort of very sparkly gown with a necklace Mm -hmm. and you start to wonder that when she said, oh, I got this from the assistant, you're wondering, was she at a party? Was she somewhere, you know, hobnobbing? Does she have, you know, is she from a wealthy family? We don't know anything about Marcella. Like, for all we know, she she walks in very... uh, market circles when she's not you know working for or managing martin um, yeah
0: it does feel like she's kind of had to cancel plans just because she's waiting on him to call her yeah,
1: yeah yeah or she's about to head out or you don't or yeah it you know. c- yeah. could be either thing it's la yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> right 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 i think it's all fake she just
2: exists only in the office right? <laughs> like it's just it's fake indignation she's tired of it but she has; she does not exist outside the world of the office.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, was, she he, When he rented it, she was there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She'll be there for the next
1: person. Exactly. Uh, there's,
0: a, there's actually another name drop that uh, is in the next minute, technically, but that's the the Lickenbacken name drop. And I also like that's another one. I don't know if there's there's something more to it that I'm missing because so much of this film has like very real grounding to it, you know, with the NSA yeah. and, and with all these kinds of elements. I wonder if that's something that I've just missed.
2: It could just be fun to say. I mean, looking back and I mean, come on. It just sounds fun. Yeah. Also true.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, so sometimes in those dialogues, like, you know, they write in, like I wonder that's that's the type of thing where maybe it's a mispronunciation and they leave it in you know, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know. It probably isn't. It's probably purposely written that way, but it's just one of those things. And it's a name that you go, huh? Looking back at yeah. what? <laughs> you know, uh, so it kind of catches you. But I think I think you're absolutely right, though. It is a throw, whatchamacallit, like Rothschilds is a throwback, right? Mm-hmm. People know who they are, have money, have conspiracy theory. I mean, and that's like, I I don't know, and I I imagine also you throw in that they probably have because they're banking, they probably have an extensive security network Mm. as well, and so uh, it would make sense that they would potentially have information on nefarious ne'er do wells, which is probably redundant, but uh... yeah,
1: (laughs) no, I mean I think that's you got you raise a good point because we are also looking at a moment where, you know, we're back in the world of potentially artificial and fictionalised professional speak between mm-hmm. these two. Um, and we, we want to again hear the, uh, the the use of the term ghoul to refer to a hired killer who's not part of the professional realm that Grocer and, and Martin and these, other, and these NSA guys, they're all government or ex-government. But this right. guy, Felix La Poubelle, you know his resume is very much uh, on the on the kind of European left wing side of terrorism, kind of seventies Red Brigade style. Because he's it's uh, one of the only American movies I can think of where Basque nationalism as a terrorist group turns up as a background. Um, mm. He's a Basque. He works for the Basque. then he works for the Algerians. So again, famous famous uh, conflict with the French that's ongoing with, um, especially with the Islamic elements, you know. So he works right. with them, and then they say he made a spectacular debut uh, mm. in a Caribbean cruise, and that's a horrific, horrific euphemism. When you consider that what this man, she's saying is this, this man's a terrorist of the highest order, willing to 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 do whatever is needed if someone pays him. Yeah. But the idea of a spectacular debut when he goes independent—that just sounds horrible. What did he mm-hmm. do? Who died? How how horrible was it? You know maybe who didn't die,
2: you know? Well, well,
1: yeah.
2: Well, and therein lies it too, right? It's that the way, so it almost seems like there's legit killing and illegit killing. Like, you know, like certain like, like sanctioned versus unsanctioned. And, uh, I think, I don't know. I know some, I don't know the social nature of this film. Mm -hmm. Um, but i do know that in, there are there are certainly films and tv shows that do that juxtaposition to kind of mm-hmm. critique the the concept of legitimate killing yep right like or sanctioned killing versus rogue killers etc or yep. or the question of what is a what is a terrorist versus what isn't a terrorist you know because there's mm-hmm. always that freedom fighter debate and such that goes on. And, oh,
1: yeah. One you know, man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist, and vice versa.
2: Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so now this guy just sounds like a straight up terrorist, though. You know, like whatever yeah. he did on the cruise ship maybe gave everybody diarrhea or something along those lines. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but how would they know it was a terrorist that did that? That happens on like every cruise, anyways. Right. Uh, and right, now, right. It's it, now it's COVID. Now it's COVID, everybody gets.
1: This is what I mean by spectacular debut. You know, whatever he did, <laughs> it's nasty, right? Somebody went, somebody got taken out in a really horrible way that it that everybody in the profession knows this happened and it was this guy. You know, it was his calling card for more work. You know, right. just that, it's such a horrible cause. But I mean, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. This comes at an interesting point in time in 97 where you've got films that ad- and TV that address exactly what you've just been saying about origins of terrorism and american support in some parts of the world for groups which can be some would regard as freedom fighters others would debate that you know you, you've got um oh what's the one with uh, bruce Willis, Denzel washington the siege right mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. which is a really fascinating film particularly since when they did the dvd it was after 9-11 there's a really interesting uh featurette where they discuss their original plans for what sort of activity the terrorists in the film were going to do and they originally said hey what why why don't we fly a plane into towers and the security guys were like yeah you know we that was that's that's going too far it's not very realistic we should do something else oh okay well we'll just do what they did lot what they actually did in real life where they drove a truck into you know into the fbi plaza kind of thing It was like okay okay this is interesting but i find i find yeah this is in the air the whole idea of um secret ops black ops missions that may or may not be government funded, coming back to bite people in the butt. Um, and this seems to be all part of it. The notion of blowback seems to be in there somewhere. And as you say, there's legitimacy. Grosser and Martin are, le- are le- semi-legit, right? They come out of the army. They go into the business for themselves, but they still know people, and as Grosser does with the NSA. And you kind of think, okay, you know, this is all kind of semi, not sanctioned, but it's all connected. Um, yeah. And then you get yeah. these weirdos these the ghouls you know <laughs> the unprofessionals the the walking dead yeah right very interesting world i mean it would have made you know i mean we have, we've talked about this before the idea that, of a sequel but again it just they're painting this world and it's like things to do in Marine' dead where the language is fake but it feels real it feels like this is a milieu that exists yeah, and you can just believe that. Yeah, you know, I, I would, I would happily buy into a sequel. You know, a a film that adapts that, that goes back to that world with that language and those ideas. Yep.
0: You know? Not even the same characters necessarily. Just no, no, not even. You know, just, just, w- just. Would anything. you have to
2: call it grosser, point blank, or?
0: <laughs> well, if we got Acrud in it, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That yeah. would work. Missed opportunity. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Can, well, we can have his. Uh,
0: yeah, we can have his union and uh see what they're up to that would
1: be so funny actually doing it from the union perspective and then martin's the one who's like the spanner in the works at the end i
0: mean i just want to see the stabbers the queens of the hotel yeah right
1: no exactly that's me too
0: (laughs) (laughs) queens of the hotel hit
1: let
2: let me ask this question because this is a curiosity to me with this type of stuff and this is totally not part of the the script per se or the it always has interests me when when siblings interact across from each other like act across from each other you know what i mean right. and so right is there a natural synergy between them or, or synergy not synergy uh, i don't even know what synergy is could be a trouble um but or i don't know like it'd be interesting to see if there's like if with sibling rivalry, if there were opportunities to jazz up the, you know what I'm saying? Like the vibe, the Mm -hmm. feel and such. Cause it does this. It feels natural. This is a, this, and honestly, I would tell you this diet, the dialogue between him and her throughout the movie feel more natural than a lot of the other dialogues Mm
0: -hmm. that
2: happen in the movie. And so I guess I'm, my curiosity is, does there, off-screen relationship of brother and sister influenced that i'm w- wondering what you guys think
0: i so yeah we've kind of uh, discussed this a little bit in 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 previous weeks and and i totally agree with you i think it's actually because we know cusack and and his friends pink and divincentes uh did rewrites of the The original script, and I think that during the process of those rewrites, certain characters were being cast as as they were writing it. Right, they were written for those people to play. And I think, in particular, Marcella's character is is obviously written for Joan Cusack. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. I've, I've described it before as being like the most Joan Cusack of all of Joan Cusack's roles. Like, it feels like she's she's just doing what she does so well without having to worry about, you know, trying to fit it into anyone else's idea, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just her being authentically her. And I think a big part of that is also their siblings. They've grown up together. They have a repartee and it's not necessarily quite the same as a repartee between a boss and, and a personal assistant, but it has a lot of those same vibes. And And I think that they they really lean into that. And it's what is part mm-hmm. of what helps sell that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: agree wholeheartedly. I mean, yeah. in particular, the opportunity she has to uh, berate him, and yet at the same time show some sort of deference to the fact that technically he's her boss, but she's clearly the one who has the power. Um, that feels very sibling-like. <laughs> yeah.
2: and and knowing full well that he's going to do whatever he wants to do, despite her mm-hmm. warnings her insistent mm. you know like like you know her get out just go ahead come on get out of there come home you know get out yeah. of there you know yeah. what i mean and but she fully well knows he's not going to listen
0: yeah oh yeah and and this actually takes us to a thing where like Hugh and I have discussed in the past this concept that she has been setting him up to um to try and put him in a position where he's ready to leave this mm-hmm. business And I'm not sure I've ever really agreed about it. And this scene is the main reason why I don't agree with that, because Mm -hmm. even through all of this, her focus is on him executing the job, right? She's Mm -hmm. not really... Once he goes out there, she doesn't mention the reunion. She doesn't ask about, like, did you meet up with Debbie or anything like that? She's purely interested in, have you done the job yet? Because in a normal situation he's been out there for like two days already he'd have he'd have done the job and be headed to the airport to fly back by now and 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 that's that's where her expectations are in all of these conversations that happen around this time is you know you're just scoping it out you're being a professional uh i guess they didn't catch you you were too quick etc etc um Mm. so that's yeah
2: but maybe that's it, right? Maybe because of the context, knowing the background, that her pure she is trying to just purely focus on the business, get him focused on the business and the job, yeah. mm. not worry about the other BS relationships, mm. et cetera. Get in, get mm. out. Yep. You know what exactly. I mean? Like,
0: yeah, and I think that's it. And I think you know she, she literally did only mention the reunion right at the start of the film, purely because it amused her that he came from somewhere. I don't think there was anything yeah. more to it than that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I just it's, that's part of what makes this so interesting, isn't it? As a film, is because there, she she does push him to go, but yes, it is primarily for the job.
0: Yes, she pushes it, and and she gets the Black Cat Friday the Thirteenth feeling. But I think that was also that more was just, just kind of needling him. him. Yeah, like yeah. it's yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: but at the same time, I think she wouldn't feel and, you know it, she doesn't feel it would be a bad thing if he did reconnect with her, which, because he, she feels he's obviously getting. Disconnected in yeah. general, yeah. you know. He's not the only. Is it? Is it Grosso who says you don't seem? No, somebody doesn't. Is it Grosso who says to him when they first meet in LA that you know you don't seem to be enjoying it anymore? Or there's a hint somebody or does she? I don't know. There's a, somebody somewhere. In the first 10 10-15 minutes suggests that Martin is no longer fully engaged with the job itself.
0: Yeah, that Marcella. It's like you don't sound like your old self, sir. So. Right if you don't mind right. me saying,
1: yeah yeah and I, I i it feels like she thinks that this is the solution to both go home put some demons to bed and kill somebody yeah. <laughs> professionally yeah. you know have have it have it have both sides of your life work out fine although personally in my experience at that age you either have one of them work out and the other's rubbish or vice versa i don't know about <laughs> well, it's
2: just all rubbish it's just all yeah, rubbish. Well, yeah
1: well yeah maybe maybe yeah so maybe maybe, yep. maybe
2: that's it maybe you, you I think you might have just hit the nail on the head there especially in the context of the beginning of the movie and it's sometimes it's hard to I've never analyzed a movie like this, so this was a challenge for me, like watching the movie and then looking at specific minutes to to analyze and then um uh, sometimes you the context of what's happened previously kind of gets lost when you're looking and you know. I don't really analyze cinematography very often. I'm like, "Oh, it looks pretty." Um, <laughs> or oh, that looks weird or like bad CGI, good CGI. Um, but also in that context of so that that early interaction that maybe the take this job back at your ho- hometown might in and of itself be a test to see mm-hmm. if he's still in the business in the bar cuz I definitely that is an overarching vibe of the film that you feel like yeah. he is his way out of the business and yeah. maybe this is maybe her thing is well we'll know by the end of this right like yeah. well one yeah. way or the other he'll either be in the business out of the business or
1: dead so yeah, yeah exactly and and yeah. then she'll make her decision and do whatever this was minute 53 of the gross point blank podcast debbie radio 79.5 fm featuring your co-host
0: co-writers and co-producers dev soliger and hugh david Today's guest was Mike of Listening to Paint Dry. Tell us more about how to find you in the podcast, Mike.
2: Thanks, Deb and Hugh. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a lot of fun to talk about the, the, these three minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> a movie. It's a unique experience. Uh, you can find us, the podcast Listening to Paint Dry, anywhere you get your podcasts. We're, we should be on almost everyone, including Audible and iHeartRadio um additionally you can find us on instagram and facebook at listening to paint try you can email us at listening to paint try at gmail.com uh if you want to talk about the lovely world of miniature painting uh and that,
0: that's kind of it that's where we are fantastic <laughs> thank you so much and you can find us on all good podcast players including at long last apple podcast which apparently was not actually publishing our episodes until quite recently uh also iHeartRadio radio and all of the rest of them Uh, You can also find us on YouTube, uh, Twitter, aka X, and Spotify. And we are at Debbie Radio, and that is D-E-B-I Radio. We also have a website, which is DebbieRadio.com. Again, D-E-B-I.
1: And finally, if you want to talk with us, come find us at the Facebook listeners group. Debbie Radio, 79.5 FM Fan Club. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment.
2: It was a feeling